Thank you, Toby, this morning for playing for us. We're so glad that you could join us for worship this morning. Uh, a beautiful morning where there is no morning because I actually, even though yet yesterday, even though Melissa and Jake were somewhere else who are our basketball fans in the house, I watched the game uh, and was proud of myself. And I'm still waiting for someone to give me some lines that I can say about it so I can sound intelligent. Um, so I don't know what to say. Yay, sports. Um, I spent uh, a lot of the weekend, uh, this weekend, back and forth to Georgetown, uh, where our youth were having a missions weekend. Uh, Charles did a whole lot of work for that, and I just got to come in and play a few songs and say, hey, and then walk off. And uh, while he gathered together missions projects for the kids to do from places at Quest Farm uh, to the Hope Center to all kinds of stuff that youth, not just from here, but from uh, all around the state came, came here uh, for uh, a wonderful uh, time together for, for them to be together. When I was setting up the first night uh, for this, um, getting my guitar ready and everything, I looked up and there was this, this young man who came up to me and said, hey, how's it going? I said, hey, and he looked very familiar. And, uh, and he said, do you remember me? I said, ah, oh, you look familiar. He said, I'm, I'm Christopher McKinley. And I was like, oh my gosh, Melissa remembers now. I didn't even tell her this story. Um, from whenever I used to work at another church, he was like, a, I feel so old. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm old. He was like this big and he was skinny. This tiny little kid, his brothers were quite large football players. And I was like, well, he's never gonna make it as a football player because he was tiny. And I looked up and he can break me like a twig now. I was like, oh my gosh. In his face somewhere was still the face of this little boy. And yet he was a young man uh, who, was, uh, uh, who was now a junior in high school, I think. Um, and uh, so it was pretty amazing and I felt pretty old. Uh, it is amazing what time does, though, is it not? When we just let time happen. Uh, things change, people grow and develop. And uh, when we can give things some time, uh, and when there's some grace involved in that time, uh, and maybe if we can find ourselves uh, in, a, in a place of grace, in a place of where we are around other folks who can help us along the way, uh, where we can rub elbows with folks who can help us to see a little more about what the way of God is like, then we can grow and develop uh, into uh, something even, even bigger and better than what other folks might have thought we could be. Um, so I'm grateful for this place, for a place that is where we continue to uh, cultivate uh, love and grace and peace so that we can learn how to be uh, more like the loving arms of God to one another. So thank you. Let's worship this morning. As we begin, we light this candle celebrating the presence of Christ in us, among us, and beyond with us. Would you stand and uh, join me in the call to worship? Ever-present God in the desert, 
and love springs forth. In dry places, spirit breathes life. In weary cities, in lonely lanes, here and now, Now would you please pass the peace of Christ with those around you. sit back down, I'll catch you and we'll uh, uh, turn to number uh, 618 as we sing uh, Oh Love, How Deep, How Broad, How High. If you're familiar with this song, don't, don't sing it like you usually sing it because we're going to completely mess up the melody. So, uh, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll catch it.
A reading from Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8, from the Common English Bible. God, my God, it's you. I search for you. My whole being thirsts for you. My body desires you in a dry land, a tired land, no water anywhere. Yes, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've seen your power and glory. My lips praise you because your faithful love is better than life itself. So I will bless you as long as I'm alive. I will lift up my hands in your name. I'm fully satisfied, as with a rich dinner. My mouth speaks praise with joy on my lips whenever I ponder you on my bed, whenever I meditate on you in the middle of the night, because you've been a help to me, and I shout for joy in the protection of your wings. My whole being clings to you. Your strong hand upholds me. For the word of the Lord works its way into us.
Thank you, Cindy. I feel like I should say we'll be selling her CDs in the lobby after the service. <laughs> so wonderful. Oh my gosh. It's like I just was got out of a nice relaxing bath. Mm. This week I was talking with one of our beloved church members. She is a wonderful person, very caring, very kind. And you would be surprised if you knew who this was after I tell you what she told me, but but she's just a really wonderful person. And she said that she is finding our current political climate toxic to her spirituality. She said, I know I'm supposed to love and forgive my neighbor, but when I see certain leaders on TV, she was a little more specific at this point, she said, I'm not filled with love, but with outrage and condemnation and even hatred. It speaks for many of us, doesn't it? Aristotle said, anybody can become angry, that's easy. But to be angry at the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way, that is not easy. I often use a sermon resource to help me week after week. It has relevant internet articles and commentaries on particular texts that we are looking at in the Revised Standard Lectionary. A couple of years ago, I learned that the person that keeps this site updated with all this incredible amount of information was sick and perhaps now has died, and others were trying to keep that effort alive and keeping these links fresh, but they have fallen behind. And so this week, as I was reading these commentaries and articles associated with Luke chapter 13, I found myself reading a lot of articles from what we used to call Y2K. And I'm guessing most of us in here would think, oh, early 2000s, that wasn't that long ago. But I remind you that the recession of 2008 was 10 years ago. And so as I'm reading these articles, I'm noticing that back in the 90s and early 2000s, they're talking about climate change, school shootings, and the importance of caring for immigrants and the refugee crisis. And after 20 or so years, where you think after identifying those problems, we might be further along, don't we join the lament that our frustration has grown even deeper? How do we regain our sense of hope? The skill we're being asked to think about with B'nai Brown this week is developing resiliency over powerlessness. And that description alone is inspirational for me. Whenever I'm feeling powerlessness, is there a way that I can find my calling toward becoming more resilient? Our current situation makes me feel 
powerless. And in response, I'm hoping to develop resiliency. According to Benet Brown, here's what we need in our toolbox to increase our ability to be more resilient. For resilient people are resourceful and they have good problem solving skills. They are more likely to seek help from others. They hold to the belief that they can actually do something that will help to manage their feelings and to cope. They have a ready support system available to them and they are connected to others like family and friends. Developing resiliency is what I also find in this parable of Jesus's found in Luke chapter 13 beginning in verse 6. Jesus tells them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So we see three character, characters in this parable. The fig tree, the owner, and the gardener. For a moment, spend some time as the fig tree. Barren, hollow, empty. Imagine the shame. While other trees are starting to try on their spring wardrobes, you stand out like a stick in winter. Through summer's abundance and autumn's harvest, it's plentiful obvious. You are empty, without purpose, and perhaps without value. The owner, as it is common, measures worth by production. You are what you do and how well you do it. And sees the fig tree as useless and pointless, taking up soil and oxygen that could be put to better use. Cut it down. Get rid of it. It's no good. The gardener comes as one who is kind and patient and wise. The gardener might be tempted to give up on the fig tree too, but will not. And will bow upon the knee and surrender the body to the dirt and get to work. Anger may cause us to chop down all the trees. But anger bathed in holy repentance will motivate us to get down and dirty to the root of our problems 
and start digging. Hope, says Brown, is a combination of setting goals, having the tenacity and the perseverance to pursue them, and believing in our own abilities. Have a goal. Tenacity, perseverance to pursue them, and believe that what we do can make a difference. I think Jesus would agree with that list, but did you notice? He adds another quality in the parable. And my favorite part of this story, verse 8, I will dig around it and put manure upon it. (laughs) The willingness to put down manure and put up with an offensive smell. A friend of mine was a minister in Virginia out in the farm country, and he said that farmers told him during this time of year, when the air is so pungent it can bring tears to your eyes, that most people would say, all I smell is manure. And the farmers would smile and say, I smell money. Taking what is bad and translating it into what is useful. Resiliency. This parable reminded me of my favorite children's book, Shel Silverstein's The Giving Tree. Tells the story of a little boy and a tree. And on the first pages, we learn that she loved the little boy. And so when he was young, he would climb up in the branches and swing from the branches ahead. When he was older, he would sit under the shade and read and learn to read. When he was ready to make his way in the world, he would climb up in the tree and get all the apples and get some money in order to start becoming independent And then when he was ready to start his life and build a home, he came to the tree and cut down the branches in order to make a house. And then after he had had a whole career in life, he was ready for retirement and he came back to the tree and cut the center part of it down to a stump in order to make a boat and sail around the world. And then finally he returns as a crumpled, bent, over older man the tree realizing his despair and disappointment says I may not have much to give but you can sit here on my stump and you can rest a while in Christ we learn of a calling to bend down and stoop low to get our hands dirty to dig a trench of humility and hope that may seem ridiculous to the bottom line cynics and the production junkies. But this path smells to us. Those who believe in the gospel as salvation. 
Because in Christ we encounter a God who always has something else to give. A God who can surprise us with even more. Even when we thought we had already received every good thing. Emily Dickinson, 1830-1886, wrote in a time where Christians were preoccupied with gloom and doom, this poem, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. God is the source of our hope, meaning God does not believe in lost causes. God is the eternal one, meaning God's patience has no end. God is the keeper of justice, meaning that even the little minuscule things we do for good are greater than the big things that are done in the name of greed and power. God is the loving creator who keeps investing in us even when we have stopped believing in ourselves. And God in Christ never tires in giving to us. Never, ever stopping at all. Respond today, I invite you to sing with me, number 450, Be Thou My Vision.
this morning. You've got time to come forward and to light a candle if you should choose to do that. <clears throat> or to sit and to maybe just take a deep breath. Maybe that's what we need today. To listen to the God that that, uh, that I swear is sometimes so different than the God that I grew up with. God that is so gracious and so loving and so welcoming to us and so patient with our faults. That would give us the chance to grow. That would get down in the muck with us. That would travel through the difficulties and the sludge. grace to, to stay there and find a way to growth. So this morning as we begin, we'll read this call to prayer together and then you'll have time to respond. God, look at this desert. dry. The water isn't fit to drink. Look how the truth gets buried in the sands. Look how the lies spiderweb their fissures. Look how power pools in so few places. On this dusty ground, you have spread a table. filled it with good food and plenty to drink. We've set our places. Everyone has a seat. You invite everyone to gather from far and wide. Your loving kindness will quench our thirst. 
presence will sustain us. be our response and our prayer if you'd like to sing along in the desert in the darkness silence in the silence 
Lord, we are grateful for your presence with us this morning. We are grateful for your grace and for your love. We are grateful for your patience with us. We thank you. And we ask that you would help us, God, to walk in your ways, to walk in your grace, to see your presence in those unexpected places around us, shining all around with your love. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for being here this morning with us for worship. Go in peace.